And as you have a seat, would you be willing to actually scoot in a little bit to the center? We got kind of a full house here this morning. We want to make room uh, for anyone who wants to come here from the Spirit of God this morning. So if you could, could you wiggle in a little bit closer, get to know the people next to you a little bit more? Uh, And as you do, let me just give you a little context uh, to where we're at and uh, where we're going this morning. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church, and uh, we have been in a series uh, this month. We're focusing on how do we make what is utterly spiritual as practical as possible? How do we actually live out these things that we just sang about? How do we live this thing out outside of the walls of this space? How do we do this thing, this life with Jesus that I think every one of us wants to live at some level we want to do, but many of us don't know exactly how to do that. And so we've made a commitment to get as practical as possible to open God's word and say, okay, God, how do we do this? And so the first week we looked at how how do we engage with the Bible? How do we read the Bible? Last week we looked at prayer. How do we talk to God? And if you miss those, you can catch up online, because this week we're continuing in this series, this look at really spiritually, practically, how do we do these things by looking at how do we now talk about God with others, maybe even to people who don't normally talk about God. How do we talk about God to our friends that we care about, that we want to know and experience God's love? How do we talk about this God that we just sang to, that we just sang about, that we love How do we actually do it without it being weird? (laughs) Let's just be honest. Because I think lots of us, if we're being really honest, we have a great desire to sort of share this thing that we experience on Sundays or throughout the week. We want to share it with other folks. But lots of times it can get kind of weird and we can fumble and we get scared and we're sure, you're not sure what to say. Or we think we're going to say the wrong thing. Or we're going to say it the wrong way. And so we get kind of weird when it comes to talking about God, which is very interesting because it's one of the only things in our life that we really actually care about that we get weird about. You think about it. You probably, if I were to stop and ask you to say right now, hey, I want you just to take a minute or so and turn to the person next to you and tell them your favorite restaurant here in the city. What's your favorite place to go? First of all, you'd say, for what? Like, is it for a burger? Is it for Italian? You have categories. You have classes. And then if you were to kind of get on the right train of thought, you could give a sermon about why your restaurant is the favorite restaurant, is the best place they have to go here. Because when we care about something, we don't mind sharing it with other people. We love to do that. Uh, there's a couple places I go that I love to go to. In fact, I love the fact that I go there so often, they know me now. And I've worked hard for a lot of things in my life. That's something I'm really proud of. And so I don't mind taking my friends so that they can experience the same thing I can experience, and so I get to show off a little bit. I, we don't mind sharing the things we care about. One of the things that I've noticed when we talk to each other, maybe you'll meet someone after church today and say, oh, you know, you live here in the city. Oh, I do. And the next question is always, oh, what neighborhood do you live in? And you could give a dissertation on why your neighborhood is the greatest neighborhood in the whole city of Chicago to live in. Of all the neighborhoods, your neighborhood has the best this and this and that and the other. Why? Because we, we care about it. We don't, I don't mind sharing. It's not going to get weird for me to tell you why I love this neighborhood and why I think you should live here. It's not weird at all. In fact, when, if those of us who have kids, someone asks you about your kids, you love your kids. You don't get weird about talking about your kids. I mean, just the other night, we were out to dinner with some friends we hadn't seen for a while, and they asked us about our kids. And I mean, within seconds, my phone is out, and I'm about like to show, I have a whole presentation of pictures and videos, and I don't fumble or stumble around that at all. In fact, I have to remind myself that they're not actually here to only talk about my kids. <laughs> I love my kids, and I love to talk about my kids. 
Um, if you're a parent, I'm sure you do too. Whatever your thing is that you care about, you love sharing it with others. The reason is we, <laughs> we talk about what we care about. That's just human nature. That's a great thing. That's why people blog. That's why they go to Yelp. It's because we <laughs> love to talk about what we care about. We love to share it. Not weird at all. So why is it then that for those of us who would call ourselves followers of Jesus, the thing we claim to care about most in this world is often the hardest for us to share. We're quick to tell you what restaurant to go to or what movie to see or what book to read. But when it comes to sharing about this God who has changed our lives, oftentimes, certainly not always, oftentimes, we don't know how to do it. And so our goal for this time is to get incredibly practical in doing just that, to really connect the dots between the God we love and the people in our lives that we love. How do we help connect the dots between the two? And so we're going to look at what Jesus did. We're going to gather around what he said and what he did and learn from him about how we can get incredibly practical when it comes to talking about God. I want to share with you what I've learned and what I practice in my life that other folks have taught me and I've learned from reading through the scriptures that I think have become incredibly important and very practical things that every single one of us can do. In fact, many of these things you are already doing, you just haven't maybe connected the dots to God. And so I want to give you as best I can some practical help for how we can do that. Let me just say a word to some folks who might be in the room. If you're here and you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus yet, you're kind of investigating this thing. And so you're here because a friend dragged you out or for whatever reason. We're so glad that you're here. And I think it's really important that you're hearing this from really from the Bible, from the teaching and from the life of Jesus. Because Christians can get really weird about this kind of stuff. And sometimes they don't say enough. And sometimes they say way too much of all the wrong things. And they try and condemn people into loving God. And so what I want you to hear is how Jesus did it. And I want you to see a a group of people that are committed to following him, not just Christianity as a brand. And then for those of us who would call ourselves followers of Jesus, who are committed to, we care about this God, we care about him so much, we just sang to him, we believe this stuff, we've committed our life to this stuff. As we go through these teachings and this example of Jesus, I want you to take with you two or three people in your world right now that God has you around for a reason. My hunch is there's two or three people in your circle of friends or at your work or in your complex, your condo complex, whatever it is, or your neighborhood, whatever it is, there are some folks that go to your parents of kids at your kid's school. There are some people that, for whatever reason, you felt a great connection with and affinity with, and they may not even know that you love the God that we just sang to. And so what I want you to do is think about them as we walk through this stuff, and how might God be leading you to share his life and love with them over the next couple weeks? So let's jump into a specific passage, an example of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to ask you to grab a pen. We have that in the seat back in front of you. And if you didn't bring a Bible, we've got you covered with that too. You can grab a blue Bible in the seat back. I think it's important for all of us to kind of track along with this together. So if you have a Bible, please pull it out now and turn to Matthew chapter 5. In the blue Bible, you can turn to page 677. Page 677. Grab a pen. We're going to be writing some things down. Hopefully this is helpful stuff for you. And so you might want to jot it down. Let me circle a few things in the Bible. Don't be afraid to write in the Bible. And so we're going to look at this passage, Matthew chapter 5. We've been hovering around this passage for the last month or so. And I want you to look at what Jesus 2,000 years ago had to say about you. And the purpose to the place that he has you. You know that there's a purpose to the place he has you. The circle of friends, the place that you work, the neighborhood you're in. It's not happenstance. 
And God is inviting you into a way of trusting him and sharing about who he is to the people that you care about. So let's look at what Jesus had to say about you 2,000 years ago. He says this, You are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. Now, just a little pause here. Why this metaphor? Jesus is known for using metaphors. So why this metaphor? Well, in those days, I think you kind of know this, but there was no refrigeration. There was no processed food. And so food lasted about as long as it could last. And what salt did was it kind of kept the flavor of the food. It kept it, you know, its vitality uh, as long as possible. It was a preservative. It preserved the flavor. Still is to this day. And it also adds some seasoning, some flavor to it. And so Jesus is saying, that's what you're like. Something that uh, up close and personal, when you experience, it has value to it. It has flavor to it. It has life to it, vitality to it. He says, you're the salt of the earth. But, he says, if salt loses its saltiness, then if it doesn't sort of do what it's there to do, how can it be made salty again? Now, again, I just, if you're hearing this for the first time from Jesus, I, it can be a little confusing at first because you're thinking about pretzels or you're not exactly sure sort of where he's going. But stick with the metaphor here and let's see what he's talking about. Well, how can it be made, if it loses its saltiness, what, what's the point then? It's no longer good for anything because that's what it's supposed to be, except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Jesus goes on with another metaphor. This one a little bit more from a distance. Verse 14, you, you, follower of Jesus, you are light of the world. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. And just a quick word of context here for those of us who've grown up in the Midwest. A hill is like a <laughs> elevated piece of land. So just I, try and imagine what a hill would look like, and the metaphor might make more sense to you. But we've all seen that. You, 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 a town on a hill, you can't hide that. You can see it off in the distance. You can see the light coming from that town, even from miles and miles away. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and, and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying, look, salt is this thing that when you get up close to it, it has flavor, it has vitality, it has purpose. Light, even from a distance, you can see and go, there's value to that. I can see it. It's literally illuminated. I can see more clearly now because of that. You see, even from a distance, even up close, there's a purpose to the place and the people that God has you. In the same way, verse 16, let your light shine before others, that they may see your what? This is very important. Circle that. Look what Jesus chose to say here. That they may see your good deeds. He doesn't just say that they may see your right answers. He doesn't just say that they may see the facade that you put on. He says in the nitty-gritty of life, they'll see your good deeds, the way you live it out, the choices you make, the way that you go about things, the way that you, the perspective with which you walk through this world. They'll see your good deeds, and even though they may not know God, will glorify your Father in heaven. They'll see and go, wait a second, there's something different about this person. What is it about this person that is so distinct, so different, so unique? What is Jesus saying here when it comes to how we talk about God with others? I think what he's saying here very clearly is that your life matters. Your life matters. The way you live your life matters. 
that your faith was contrary to maybe something you grew up believing. Your faith was never meant to be a private thing. I don't know where we got that notion from. Now, there is personal devotion that we have to God, but nowhere in the Bible does it say that your faith is a private thing just between you and God. That's an American thing. That's a Western thing that we've come up with. The reality that we see in this passage is your faith is not a private thing. It is meant to be like a light on a hill giving light to everyone around you. It's never meant to be a private thing. It's meant to be shared. It's meant to be shared with others. In fact, what Jesus is saying here is that the life you live may, in fact, be the most important answer you give about the God you love. Let me say that again. I need you to hear this. The life you live may be the most important answer you give about the God you love. That doesn't mean having, knowing truth, having truth, having answers for people's questions isn't important, not at all. But Jesus said, let your light shine. Let your life be lived out in public so that others may see that you live differently. What would it look like for for you, before you ever even say a word, to make a commitment to God that I'm going to live differently at work. I'm going to live differently around my friends. Not perfectly, differently. I'm going to actually choose to live this thing out. And that what my friends may most need and the people God has put me around for a purpose may most need for me is not just answers, although that's incredibly important, but they're looking to see if I actually believe this stuff and if I'm willing to live it out in public and to have a life that others see the glory of God in. Live differently. I have a friend that lives here in Chicago. We've been friends for about 15 years or so. And he sort of, you know, is on a spiritual journey like we all are. And, and honestly, I, I think I'm one of his only sort of Christian friends. And I'm certainly the only pastor he knows. And so as, as we get together and we have lunch, he tends to save up a couple months worth of spiritual questions for our lunch. And so we're not even like, we've barely even got our waters. And he's like, all right, what's the deal with this? What's going on with this? Help me understand this. I don't understand this. And we talk about all kinds of stuff, you know, about life and all kinds of stuff. But when we get together, part of our relationship is he sort of brings tough questions. And I do the best I can to to answer those, to honor his questions. I think that's a very, 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 very important thing. But just about every time we've been together, there comes a turn in the conversation where it gets to more of the personal stuff. You know, we sort of wrestle around and kick around some of the the big questions, which are very important. But the place in the conversation where the tone shifts is when I'm able to share with him my life. In fact, the last time we were getting together, we were kind of talking about all sorts of things, and then we were just catching up on how each of us were doing with our, you know, wives and kids and all that sort of stuff. And I was telling him about the date night that I was going to have that night with Jeannie, and he's like, wait a second, you guys like have a weekly date night? I'm like, yeah, we, I mean, yeah, we try, and, you know, he's like, how, how does that work? I'm like, well, I, I take her out places, and <laughs> sometimes we have dinner, sometimes we go to a movie. He's like, so you, like, pay, like, for, like, babysitting that? I'm like, yeah. Wow. I'm like, it's not in the Bible, dude. Like, this is just a concept. Like, anyone can do this. But there's something about us. We've talked about the choices that Gene and I have made for our family, for our kids, for our lives. It's different. In fact, it's different from most of the folks that he's around all day. And that's where the tone of the conversation changes. Or when I talk about this church, and he always wants to know about this church. You know, it's so great. We've been friends for years. In the two and a half years that this church has existed, do you know how many times he's come to Soul City? 
Twice. <laughs> Twice. And yet he's very fascinated in what we're doing here. Because he wants to know if a group of people really will choose to love their neighbors. If we really will care for the students of Brown Elementary and the families of this neighborhood, the singles that live in this neighborhood, in this city. He's fascinated with the fact that we would actually do something about it and not just gather for a holy huddle on Sunday. There's something about when a life is lived differently that gives glory to God. And God has created you to live your life differently, to be a light, to be salt in the world that he has you in. And so just a question of reflection before we move on. Question simply is, how are you living? When it comes to work, when it comes to work, how are you living? Is it any different from anyone else around you? The way that you handle clients, the way that you speak to or about your boss, the small talk you have with others, is there anything different about the way that you live your life out at work? Would anyone look to you and say, there's something different? What about among your friends? When you go out and it's Friday night and they're going to do what they're going to do. And you're there and you say, you know what, I, that's fine, I can do all that stuff, but I think God's created my life for a little bit more than that. And not in a weird or judgmental or condemning way, you make a different choice. You make a different choice. Because you say, you know, I have something I value a little bit more than just a good time right now. I have something I value a little bit more than just this moment. I'm living for something bigger. And I'll still be present with you, but it's, it's different with how you handle your finances. Are you living any differently than the world around you? Is there any light to how you live when it comes to what you do with your money or your stuff? See, every one of us, every one of us can do this. Again, it's not live perfectly. It's live differently. Live in such a way that it points to the glory and goodness of God in your life. So we choose. You know what? We're going to be salt. We're going to be light. We're going to live our lives and our faith out in public and not assume any longer that it's a private thing. So we make a choice to live differently. Every one of us can do that this week. Then what happens then when someone looks to your life and goes, okay, wait a second, there's something different about you. What's up? What's that, what's that all about? How do you have a spiritual conversation with someone? How do you engage in kind of taking it to a deeper level with someone? I want to show you what Jesus did. A couple different occasions, but I want to just highlight one. It's found in John chapter 3. So you can turn there if you would, please. John chapter 3. It's page 740 in the Blue Bible. John chapter 3. We're going to look at a spiritual conversation that Jesus had. I want you to watch sort of what he does and where he starts. John chapter 3. We're going to start verse 1. It says this. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. We'll hit pause there right now. There was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Now just pause on that. If you're familiar at all with the story of Jesus or the life of Jesus, you know that there was always a group that was antagonistic towards Jesus. In fact, there was always a group that was against Jesus every turn he made. They were the religious leaders of the day. They were called the Pharisees. And so Nicodemus is one of them. He's a Pharisee. He's a part of a group of people that knew God's law inside and out, but could not recognize the Savior in front of them. And so here's Nicodemus, a member of that group, but look what he does. It says, he came to Jesus when? At night. Now, that's interesting. That's a, why that detail? Why, why is John giving us that detail? Well, just think about it for a second. 
He had been there in the daylight many, many, many times when the Pharisees had attacked Jesus or tried to back Jesus into a corner, and Jesus had so masterfully turned the tables on them, asked them a deeper question that shut down all of their accusations, or where Jesus told a story that made them realize the the shallowness of their own hearts. He had been there in the day when he had seen that happen to other Pharisees. He didn't want to have any part of that. He didn't want that conversation to end up on YouTube. So what he said is, I'll go to him at night, and maybe it'll be a little easier to talk to this Jesus. So he comes to Jesus at night and says, Rabbi, and that's very important. He's acknowledging Jesus' spiritual authority. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you were doing if God were not with them. What is Nicodemus saying? You're different. This guy had grown up around worked with, surrounded by all kinds of religious leaders and teachers. But this one was different. You're different. There's something different about you. And so Jesus replies, verse 3, Very truly, I tell you, listen, Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. You've heard that phrase made before. Listen, this is partly, I mean, in part why I believe the Bible is to be true, because no one would put this stuff in there if it weren't actually true if it didn't actually happen, because look at Nicodemus and what he says. Well, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Can you imagine Jesus like, Nicodemus, (laughs) metaphors, okay, salt, light. You not only made it awkward, you made it gross and weird. (laughs) Stay with me, Nicodemus. Talking about bigger things here. Again, it's good he came at night. This would have been very embarrassing during the day. (laughs) Verse 5, Jesus sees the question beneath the question. He sees what's really going on in Nicodemus' heart, what he's really wondering. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit, which just for a pause, that's what we celebrated a minute ago on the Lord's Baptism born of water and the Spirit, that the Spirit of God is now living inside of you. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised by me saying this. You must be born again. In other words, Nicodemus, you're asking me this question, but there's something else. You you know the answer sort of this. There's a deeper thing going on here. Because the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Verse 9, Nicodemus honestly asks, how can this be? And there's a lot into that question. One, he's trying to not only understand the concept, but I believe what is behind this question is, how can it be that I've missed it this much? That I've built my life on the presupposition that it's all about being perfect, but Jesus, you're telling me something different. How can this be. You see what's going on here. Nicodemus is showing up with his honest questions, and Jesus is starting right where he's at. He's having a spiritual conversation. And in fact, what Jesus is doing is listening in to Nicodemus. He's not just talking and giving him a sermon, which Jesus is great at doing. He's listening. He's not just showing up with all of his answers, you know, loaded up like a double-barrel shotgun ready to just blow Nicodemus away with truth. He's listening. In fact, he's not just listening. He's listening intentionally. He's he's looking for the question behind the question. Nicodemus, you know the answer to that. There's something else going on here. 
Let me take it down to a deeper level now. This is, I think, one of the most important skills to being salt and light where you work, where you live, among your family and among your friends is to learn to listen and listen well and listen intentionally with purpose. We, we are typically terrible listeners in our culture. And you've all seen it. You've been in the middle of a conversation with someone and their phone goes off and they're looking at you, but then they're looking down at their phone. How does that feel? How does it feel when you're in the middle of a conversation? It may even happen in this lobby afterwards. You're talking to someone, connecting with someone. Yeah, it's great to see you. Yeah, it's great to see you. Hey, do no, yeah, totally. It's so great to see <laughs> It doesn't feel good, does it? It doesn't feel good. We're terrible at listening. Jesus is saying, look, if you're going to be a follower of mine, you need to not only learn to listen, but listen intentionally. Listen spiritually. Listen for the question behind the question. Help connect the dots between their story, your story, and ultimately my story. That's what listening intentionally looks like. I'm going to connect the dots between your story and where you're starting from and maybe things that I've learned or experienced in my life. And ultimately, I'm going to connect it back to God's story, which involves both of our stories. Connecting the dots. I think this is a very important discipline for anyone who would call themselves a follower of Jesus to learn, to listen intentionally. And this is something I try to practice and put into play anytime that someone will give me any more than five minutes with them. How can I listen intentionally to what's going on here? In fact, yesterday I was getting my hair cut and uh, the person who cuts my hair has been cutting my hair for months now and we've sort of built a rapport with each other. And I look at that time when I pull up, Lord, I, I pray God that you would give me an opportunity to have an intentional conversation with Dee right now. And so we get together, it's great connection. And I figure, look, the reality is we've got 30 minutes, maybe 45 tops where we have each other. We have a moment. Let's not just chit chat. And I don't know what you do when you get your haircut. I have a friend who says every time he goes to get his haircut, he falls asleep. <laughs> Way too risky for me. I, maybe it's control issues. I could never do that. Or maybe you're on your phone the whole time. That, that's fine. I just look at that as an opportunity that God has given me, a window to be intentional, to be a light, to be salt. And so I try as best I can to ask good questions. And so just yesterday, we were talking about her relationship and the relationship she's in, how it's complicated because, you know, the person that... She's with their dad, you know, is trying to figure out their, you know, he likes them together. And, you know, the person she's with has a kid. And so it's kind of complicated. And so, so as she's kind of sharing all this stuff, I'm just like, man, you know, I said to her, I'm like, it must, it must feel really hard. It must feel like you're trying really hard. And it's kind of like you have all these obstacles in your way. Yeah, it does. Like, I'm, I know that could probably feel like really lonely because here you are in a relationship, but it feels like you have so much to work. Yeah. It does. And here we are in the middle of getting my hair cut, in the middle of a spiritual conversation. And as we've kind of built rapport with each other, and she's been here to Soul City before, she knows that it's a safe place for her to come with her questions. And we talk a lot about that, about her life, my life, and about the things of God. And I look at that small window as an opportunity. God, would you allow me to connect the dots between her life, her story, my story, and ultimately, God, your story. Start with where someone's at and listen intentionally. And then one last thing, and I think this is really important. And it's found in Mark chapter 10. So if you would please turn back to Mark chapter 10. It's page 707 in the Blue Bible. Your thumbs are getting a workout this morning, turning back and forth. Mark chapter 10. Again, page 707 in the Blue Bible. So let's say that you, you, you've committed to living differently 
to living differently than those around you, to listening intentionally, spiritual listening for the deeper questions of what's going on here. I think this next practice is very, very, very important, no matter where God may lead those conversations or relationships. I want you to look at a similar conversation to the one we just looked at, found in Mark 10. It's with a guy that the Bible calls the rich young ruler. And what's implied by his title is that he is very young, very successful, very wealthy, and very influential in his community. And this rich young ruler, this influencer, wanted to figure out what it means to have a relationship with God. So this is what he says. As Jesus started on his way, a man, now just pay attention to the word, a man what? ran up to him. So this is a guy who desperately is wanting. that He runs up to Jesus. I want you to remember the pace by which he comes to Jesus and the pace by which he's about to leave him. Ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, very similar to Nicodemus. Good teacher, rabbi, he said. What must I do to inherit eternal life? You're talking about this life to the fullest with God here on earth. You're talking about life with God after this life. What do I have to do to get that? Now look, what he already acknowledges, Jesus, there's something different about you. I can tell there is something different about you. And so he's showing up with his what? With his question. Jesus has a chance to start right where he's at and listen intentionally. So look what Jesus does. Jesus says, look, you know the commandments, right? You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. He's basically walking through the top 10 list. You know these things, right? And he knew that this guy... Any good, any good sort of religious person that day had these things down, practiced these things. And so he, teacher, he declares, verse 20, teacher, all these things I've kept since I was a boy. Okay, if this is a list to check off, I've double checked them, Jesus. I've done all these things since I was a boy. And this next phrase is so important. Jesus looked at him and what's the word there? Loved him. That's very important given where the conversation is about to go. I want you to circle that word. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Looked at him and loved him. Looked at him and, and saw his earnestness, his eagerness, and loved him. Looked at him and saw all that he accomplished, all that he had done with his life, and loved him. Jesus saw through all the things that he might have been wearing as facades and loved him. And that's very important given what's about to happen. Jesus pushes in and challenges him. One thing you lack, he said, You've checked off every box but one. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now, Jesus is not giving a blanket prescription for every single person to do before they follow him. He was speaking to the deeper things in this guy's life. He was being intentional with this challenge because he knew that was the last holdout for this guy. Are you willing to cash it all in to follow me? Are you willing to let go to pick up this life that I have for you? And so Jesus spoke directly to it. Now let's look at his response, very different from Nicodemus, verse 22. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away. He walked away sad because he had great wealth, because he was unwilling to let go of it. This is a guy who runs up to Jesus what do I have to do? What do I have to do? Jesus says, okay, 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 okay. This. He loves him, speaks into his life. This. And the guy, it's too much. And so he turns around and walks away from Jesus. I think this is an incredibly important moment for us to pay attention to. 
I think in this heart we get a glimpse into the relentless heart of God. I don't know how much exposure this guy had to Jesus prior to this moment. I don't know if if Jesus knew him previously or not. I don't know if this guy even knew what he was walking away from, but I do know this. Jesus looked at him and loved him, even though he would walk away. He looked at him, saw him, and loved him. Loved him unconditionally. And I think this is a very, very, very important thing. If you're ever going to be salt and light, if you're ever going to live differently, if you're ever going to listen intentionally and have spiritual conversations, you've got to be willing to love unconditionally, regardless of that person's response. Regardless of how long it takes. Regardless of how much of a mess they may make of their lives. Regardless if they walk away. Are you willing to love unconditionally, to give the gift to this person that is so rare in this world, someone that will truly love them unconditionally? Unconditionally. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Loved him. Have you ever stopped to think about what the terms are on the relationships in your world? About every single one of your relationships has terms and conditions. We wouldn't like to think of it that way, but if we were to be honest, it's true. I do this for this person, I'll do that for this person. I care about this person enough to give them a ride to the airport. I don't care about them enough to help them move. We all have sort of our (laughs) terms and conditions by which we love people. And lots of times when we are in spiritual relationships or conversations with folks and it can get weird or hard or frustrating or there are times where you mess up and you feel like, oh man, I can't show up in front of this person because I didn't live perfectly, even though Jesus said you can't live perfectly, but you can live differently. Even though this person may not be interested in having spiritual conversations with you or you get into a conversation where it gets weird and it gets heated, are you willing to love them unconditionally? Because that is what is such a rare commodity in our world. To say, you know what, I get it, I get it. I'm going to stay with you. I'm not going to give up on you. I'm going to keep loving you. Because I love this God. I care about this God so much. And I care about you so much that I can't walk away from either. I'm going to help the best I can to connect the dots between the love I have for God and the love I have for you. Love unconditionally. What would it look like? The people, the two or three names that you have in your mind. What would it look like for you to actually love them unconditionally? What would that look like? Live differently. Live differently. Listen intentionally. Love unconditionally. And the reality is, for many of us in this room, or watching online, the the reason you're at where you're at with God is because someone has done this for you. My hunch is there's someone you could point to or a number of people you could point to in your life that you saw their life and said, wait a second, what's that? I want that. It's different. How, why, do you, why, why, is, why do you seem to have peace when the world seems to be falling apart around you? Why, why do you seem to have joy even in the midst of these tough things? You live differently. There's someone in your life that has listened to you intentionally, put up with all your theories and ramblings about this, that, and the other, and has loved you unconditionally. And in them, you have had a glimpse of God. And my hunch is you wouldn't be here if it weren't for them doing that for you. And so, 
a challenge for you and for me, is to now do that for someone else this week. To put these things, these principles, into practice. To, to this week actually have a spiritual conversation with someone in your world, either in your home or at your job or in your neighborhood, your circle of friends. What would it look like for you to be someone who says, I'm actually going to put it into practice. I want to live differently. I'm going to make choices. And they're going to be hard. I'm going to make choices in front of this person. I'm going to make choices that they may never see, but me continuing to do so is going to literally lead this person to a greater, greater glimpse of God's glory and goodness. I'm going to listen to this person. I'm, to, I'm actually going to have a spiritual conversation. And I'm not just going to sort of shut out the God thing or play it down. I'm going to, I'm going to listen. I'm going to start where they're at. Ask deeper questions. Get to the question behind the question. Help connect the dots between their story, my story, and ultimately God's story. And to love this person unconditionally, regardless of how it goes this week. Regardless of how smooth or unsmooth it is. What would it look like for you to actually live these principles out this week, to start with someone this week? One of those two or three names that you came up with, say, okay, God, this week, I'm going to put this into practice because this is what Jesus did. This is what he's taught. And if I'm going to be a follower of him, then I want to put this into practice. I want to give you actually a, a glimpse of what that looks like from someone here in our church. And so I'm going to invite the band to come up. And I also want to invite my friend Dave Van Dixorn to come up. So will you welcome Dave uh, up here this morning? Hey, buddy. How are you? I've known Dave for about 15 years now, maybe even more. Um, we've known each other for a while now. and been able to walk through uh, several significant seasons of life with each other. And uh, what's really fun is, is Dave is a founder of this church in the truest sense, in that uh, Dave is the guy who told Gene and I about this space years ago, three years ago when we came to Chicago. It started with this sentence, I got a guy. And it always starts with, I got a guy. I got a guy who owns a building. And so we started talking and God has used Dave literally uh, to build this church. In fact, honestly, this space would not be this space if it weren't for this guy. Many other people like him, but God has richly and greatly used Dave. And I'm privileged to call him uh, my friend. And what's interesting is in the process, Dave actually, I'm going to talk about you for a little bit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> had a very successful career, but as we started this church and got rolling, Dave decided to take a year off of his career and help start this church, unpaid, volunteer. And like many others, just said, what can I do to help make room for others? And in the process, about a year or so later, God opened up a door for a job that you saw as more of a, a, a purpose and a mission and we're going to talk about that in a second. But I, I would love for, for you, Dave, to talk about what, up until about a year and a half ago when you started this job, what was your sort of impression or understanding of what it meant to talk about God? Like, what did that look like? What did that mean for you? Yeah, I, it was a very personal thing. And because of that, I just kept it private. Um, you know, when there was spiritual opportunity or conversations that were opportunities, I kind of fled. Hmm. In fact, I'd try to not talk about it. I'd go a different direction with the conversation or whatever. Just so I didn't have to. I didn't want to be pushy. I didn't want to be one of those Christians that would, you know, condemn and all that kind of right. stuff. So I just chose the complete opposite, which mm. not great. What I think is interesting, too, is you grew up in a house of faith, like, like your dad is a pastor. Yeah, yeah. And so your dad talks about God every week, but that's something you're like, that's not for me. Right. I just, I knew all the things probably to say. I just didn't want to say them. It was selfish. Yeah. And so a year and a half ago, this job comes along, and you see it as more than just a job. You see it as a real 
calling, for lack of a better word. You tell us what shifted for you about a year and a half ago when it comes to how you talk about God. Yeah, I became, I guess, just very convicted. Um, the one thing that God is very clear about in his scriptures is that all followers are to go and make disciples. All people, not just pastor, not just people who've been Christians their whole life. Everybody. Me. And it broke my heart that I wasn't doing that, that I was kind of holding the light and not sharing the light and not being bold in my faith and that kind of stuff. Mm. And realized that this new job might be more than just a job, mm. you know, just more than just going in there, doing good work and, you know, getting the praise and accolation and collecting a big paycheck, mm. right? It was more of a purpose thing where I could be the light mm. to these people. And so I went into this career and went into that job with that in mind and mm. said, you know what, I'm going to just try to live my faith out and take out the garbage when I can and water the plants so they don't die and just do things around here that most people don't like doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, that's, that's been my strategy is just kind of preach the gospel but not use a lot of words. Mm-hmm. Which is saying a lot because you love talking. I do. Yeah. <laughs> so That's why you have me up here. <laughs> that's, right, that's right. Well, I think it's really great, Dave. And I think, I, I think it's important for all of us to hear is the fruit of your commitment to seeing your place with a purpose, the place that God has you with a purpose. Because what's really fun is as Dave took that job, the tone in that office began to change. And there's another Christian or so that worked in that, in that, in that office, and as they would kind of go into work and see work differently, the, the, literally the spirit and the air in that space began to change. And very shortly after you taking that job, someone who worked there and was a coworker of yours yeah. started coming to Soul City, decided to become a follower of Jesus, gave her life fully to Jesus yeah. uh, two Easter's ago. And what has ended up happening is your office takes up about a whole row of this church every week. At the 9 o'clock, usually. At the 9 o'clock service. And I think that is so amazing to just see a small commitment to say, I'm going to actually do it. I'm going to live differently. I'm going to listen intentionally. I'm going to love unconditionally. And to see the fruit of what God has done. And to see how it's grown you in the process tremendously. And I'd love for you to share for those of us who are like, you know what? Yeah, I want to follow Jesus to those places this week. What would you say to, to encourage us, Dave? I mean, you've said a lot of great things, and I think, I guess I would add that you just want to be very prayerful about those people that are in your mind, that are in your circle. Pray for them. Pray for opportunities that they would arise this week, Mm. today, Mm. um, that you might be able to have a conversation with. And and here's the thing, guys. You don't have to have all the right answers. You don't have to be a biblical, you know, scholar and theologian and all that. You know, whatever God calls you to in life, I know one thing. He will equip you to accomplish that. Mm. He will. And so... You know, go with that calling, go with that purpose, live your life differently, listen, and love. Those are great things. Yeah. Well, part of why I wanted to have Dave up here, too, was to really honor this guy because, you know, it's been a privilege to partner with Dave and his wife, Jamie, uh, in the starting of this church. I mean, these guys have been heart and soul with this church from day one. And, uh, and it, what's been really fun is they even moved into the neighborhood to be closer to what God's doing here. And so we moved from just being partners in ministry to neighbors yeah. and going to the park together and be able to have our kids play together. It's so great. And even more than that, God has deepened our friendship in such a real way. And the hard thing that God has invited us to walk through together is that uh, Dave's wife, Jamie, has had an unbelievable, clearly God-given opportunity to uh, take a job in Kohler, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Uh, and so next month, uh, the end of next month, Dave and, and Jamie and their kids uh, are going to be moving up to Wisconsin. And so we are, we are losing. Uh, in, a, in a very real way, we're sending, but I'm going to be really honest with you, uh, we're losing a real gift in Dave and Jamie and in their family. And these are folks that we talk about a lot around here. 
Or 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, you can follow me as I follow Jesus. These are folks you can follow. And so you have been such a gift to our church, Dave, and you've been such a gift to my life and to Jeannie's life and genuinely going to miss you. I kind of blubbered my way through this at the 9 o'clock. You were a hot mess. I was a hot, <laughs> literally a hot mess. Yeah. And there'll be time to do that. I just want you, church, to see this ordinary person, just like you and me, who said, you know what, maybe God wants to do more in me and through me than I ever imagined. And it's been an incredible ride. Amen. And we are, we are sad to see you go, but excited that you're following God so clearly to this place. We will miss you. We love you guys. And so what we're going to do is move into a time of responding to God and giving back to him. And I'm telling you, this is one of the clearest and best examples I've seen of someone who faithfully, courageously has given to the work that God's doing. Just said, God, what, do you, what, what can I do to respond to you? And we're going to have a chance to do that as part of our worship right now. We're going to give back to God to respond to his goodness by giving our resources back to him. It's one of the many ways that we can say thanks to God to live differently with our finances. And so I, what I asked Dave if he would do would be to pray for our church, and then we're going to give and sing, and then we're done. So Dave, would you mind praying for us? All right, church, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for meeting us here. Thank you for all the things that we were able to learn from your scripture. Thank you for our ability to worship you and witness a baptism, Lord. Mm. Um, Lord, just an amazing time. And so we thank you for that. We thank you for this place that we can come. Lord, we, th- we pray that this church would be a bright, bright light on the corner of Adams and Racine for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Lord, uh, we love that you desire a relationship with us no matter where we're at, mm-hmm. that you love us unconditionally, that you've modeled that for us, that you've accepted us. You love us right where we're at, Lord, and so we thank you for so much for that. Mm-hmm. Lord, I pray that um, the leadership of this church and the people that serve, that they would just continue to be encouraged and strengthened for what you are doing here, Lord. We want to give you all the glory, you all the honor, Lord. We love you. We pray all this in your name. Amen.